the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. All right, it is uh, Wednesday, hump day, middle of the weekday, over the hill day. We're closer to Friday. We were on Monday, and we're going to start right off by making uh, a very short trip to Washington, D.C. by phone and uh, join Congressman French Hill to start off today. We'll get with Congressman uh, Bruce Westerman at 735. Got a lot of things to talk about. Let's let's start off with a serious topic, Congressman. the uh, leader of the Republican Party, Kevin McCarthy, is in a major, uh, you know, media battle with the president over the debt ceiling. Uh, it, are we going to listen to this all the way up to two weeks before the, the debt ceiling has to be voted on? I think we could. You know, I think the, the speaker has been trying for two months now to engage the president with a mutual way to raise the debt ceiling with Republicans asking for, as, as you and I've talked about before, we are uh, don't like the size of the budget deficits. We want to try to go back to pre-pandemic spending priorities, which the Democrats over the last four years have just blown out the budget across the board. There's no discretion in it. There's no reforms. It's just spend, 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 including Joe Biden uh, authorizing, as you know, gosh, trillions, uh, you know, maybe up to $10 trillion in extra spending if he got his student loan thing jammed through. So this is the debate, and Kevin McCarthy is on the front line of it, and and uh, Biden's not engaging. So McCarthy sent him a letter this week saying, here's what we want. Here are the kinds of things we want to do, common-sense waste or curtail spending, uh, lower regulatory burdens, get the economy, make sure we can get through this tough phase of the economy energy independence, you know, the usual list. And now we've got, you know, this PR war going. Um, so I, we have other ideas about what we can do, but um, it would be very, make it a lot easier if the president would just engage with McCarthy. And this is a serious issue, and we're not going to be the ones to not offer concrete suggestions. We're ready to meet today. We could negotiate a deal today with Joe Biden if he would come to the table. Yeah, well, he doesn't feel he has to negotiate anything, does he? I don't think so. I think he doesn't care. I don't think he cares about $1.5 trillion deficits a year for as far as you can see. He's proposed a basically almost a $7 trillion budget. And as you know, we take in about you know a little over $4 trillion a year in revenue. So it's obvious to me he's not focused on, on that. He's focused on climate change and uh, woke policies throughout the government. I mean, it's pitiful. Well, you've got a, a a whole political class in the Democrats that are new Keynesians who do not believe that, uh, uh, you know, all this money that we owe is a, is a problem. You can make money worth as much as you want to make it worth. 
But here's what you get as the result of that. That is exactly what they brought to the leadership of the House and the Biden presidency over the last two years with the Bidens and four years for Nancy Pelosi. And what do we have? 40-year highs in inflation. Oh, yeah. Constrained energy. We don't, we're not energy independent anymore. Uh, our folks are not getting a living wage now because of inflation. And this is the result of this economic madness that we're in. And House Republicans, I don't care which uh, member of our party, we want to go and do exactly as I I say. And this is why I've always, uh, Dave, I hate to, you know, uh, this is what infuriates me about this um, group of people who argue, oh, the parties are all the same. They're ruining our country. Republicans are no different than Democrats. That, of course, is total BS, El Crapola. And this is a prime example of that, where we've tried to constrain spending, and the Democrats want to go spend into the to the infinity. Um, so, yeah, they got a Buzz Lightyear view of uh, the economy. You're exactly right. In fact, the debt ceiling is to the you know to the infinity and beyond. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, that's exactly what they do. I'm going to be talking to Congressman Westerman at 735, yeah. and I'm going to talk to him about energy specifically. Perfect. Because there he was has a, been a terrific leader uh, and has guided this H.R. 1, our top legislative priority, to the House floor today. And I really congratulate him on the outstanding job he's been doing. Well, there was a subsecretary yesterday in front of one of the House committees and was asked by a committee member, if moving to electric cars was not just making us more de- uh, dependent on the Chinese, and uh, the president has been closing down mining for cobalt, nickel, and all the rest of uh, the precious metals here in the United States, uh, people need to understand that this president is putting us in a very, very dangerous predicament. Yeah, and this bill opens up strategic mining and mineral access, and this is something that typically you hear Republicans talk about. Well, we want to be energy independent, meaning oil and gas and coal. We want to have nuclear. We want to also have wind and solar where it fits, where it fits geographically, where it fits uh, uh, perfectly into the grid. Uh, But sometimes we don't remember to talk about strategic minerals that we're dependent on from Russia. China, South Africa, and we have many, many of those minerals right here in North America, and we need to make sure that we can access them. And this exposes the hypocrisy, deep hypocrisy, of the Green New Deal movement, uh, which maybe has a worthy goal of a less climate, I mean, a carbon-dependent future, but they don't want to do it in any common-sense way that benefits Americans, American citizens, or American taxpayers. Hey, Congressman, it's Jimmy. How are you doing this morning? Hey, good morning. And a uh, question for the – tell us what what a boost it would be for our own economy, how it would help with inflation and all the problems we face right now if we would, if we would use our own resources instead of, instead of getting them from other places. What shot in the arm would that be to our country? substantial because energy is a component in every single thing we buy and we have the cleanest cheapest energy production uh you know of any major economy that doesn't mean it's not cheaper to drill oil in saudi arabia but you've got transportation costs refining costs etc so they've got clean oil in saudi arabia but you get my point by doing it onshore we lower costs for consumers not just to shop go to school go to work but 
goes into everything we make, uh, fertilizer, low-cost American natural gas at 2 bucks an MCF. We can make cheaper fertilizer with our natural gas instead of importing fertilizer from Russia. And, the list, and we can export fertilizer more cheaply than some of those other authoritarian countries, particularly in the Western Hemisphere. So it's a, it's a benefit in every way, both up and down the supply curve. All right, so let me change uh, subjects a little bit because I uh, I talk, told your people I had about three subjects I really yeah. wanted to deal with. Uh, one of them also is to talk to you about the uh, voter rights, uh, voter bill of rights that you all voted on. All Republicans voted for it. Every Democrat voted against it. What did they find so terrible about it? Well, <laughs> it's pretty sad. Uh, that Democrats didn't support H.R. 5, the Parents' Bill of Rights. But don't forget, this is the same group of people who vote to let a baby die on an operating room table from a failed abortion. So if you don't care if a child gets life-saving help, then why are you going to support families and kids to make sure that they know what the curriculum is, that parents know and participate with their teachers, that they know the budget of their schools, that they know what's being taught, that they receive information about any violent activity at school. And my favorite, because of my work with Our Kids Read in Little Rock, know if their child is not grade proficient in reading or language at the end of third grade. This is a, an intellectual death sentence for kids if you don't have reading at third grade proficiency because from there on, you read to learn. And before third grade, you learn to read. And it sounds so trite and simple, but in Arkansas, we do a terrible job. Yep. And it's a terrible issue across our whole country, and that's why it's a priority for Governor Sanders, and it's why it's a priority for House Republicans. And I'm, I just am said that we don't have any Democrats that recognize that a resolution like this is, you know, encouraging better educational practice. All right. We got to get our break in. Let's come back, talk further when uh, I can return. And we will pick up Jean-Pierre yesterday from the podium said that that shooting in Nashville can all be laid at the Republicans feet. We'll talk about that when we return here on the Dave Ellswick show. Tomorrow is the start of the 2023 uh, baseball uh, season. I'm looking forward to that. Here's what I found out yesterday. I didn't know this, but because I have been with DirecTV so long, I was with DirecTV two months after they started the company, all right? They notified me yesterday. I get MLB.com free. Oh, wow. I get to watch all the games Christmas free. Day, yeah, it yeah. is for me because I love baseball. So, you know, my wife said to me, uh, Congressman, she says, I'll never see you again for the next six months. <laughs> and I said, yeah, you will. I'll be sitting right here on the couch. <laughs> That's hysterical. No, you'll say, I, you can tell me right where I'll be. You'll know right where I'll You'll am. know right where I'll be, and, and there's no doubt about it. All right, so Jean-Pierre got in front of the uh, press corps yesterday and basically said that the shooting in Nashville uh, that killed three, uh, three adults, three children, was the uh, result of uh, Republicans. Uh, and they say that 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 we're terrible about what we say about people. Yeah, it's uh, I'm so tired of this. I think, you know, it, it's so frustrating. We're House Republicans believe in the Constitution. We believe in the Second Amendment. We believe in individual responsibility and individual rights. But we also 
sincerely believe in school safety and mental health. We voted the most comprehensive reform in mental health back when I was a freshman in Congress, 21st Century Cures. We expanded how we work with states to access mental health, increase the number of mental health days, mental health care, and we have voted consistently, including back in 2018 under a House-led bill by Republicans, Stop School Violence Act, where we uh, provided funding to strengthen protocols for school security. This has done this time and time again. And let's look at this horrible, horrible, uh, miserable situation in Nashville. A person with a terrible mental health problem who's clearly deranged and has, has writings dis- deliberating her derangement or his derangement, whatever. I can't tell what sex the person is. And they went in an unlocked back door again. Every school I go to in Arkansas, I asked the principal. I did it just, you know, the other day uh, in Conway schools. Tell me what your plan is. How do I know these back doors don't open? And the principal walked me through the whole process. It's a, you know, big, nice school, Catherine Weeks uh, Elementary School. And uh, to blame people for this when someone, you've got to have the individual responsibility and you've got to have responsibility as a principal and a superintendent for safety. Uh, blaming a gun is not going to get the job done here. That's what the White House does over and over and over again. And it's just tiresome and unproductive. Yeah. The uh, the president said that he's a Second Amendment guy, said that weapons used on Monday were weapons of war and that the right to bear arms is not, let me, I'm going to quote him here, is not absolute. Second yeah. Amendment seems pretty absolute to me. It's absolute, and anything with a trigger and shells in it can kill somebody. I don't care what it looks like. I don't care where they bought it. These guns were bought legally, as the police chief said there in Davidson County in Nashville. And you're dealing with a mentally deranged person, as you are frequently here. And with gun deaths, people kill themselves on that same basis, as we all know, tragically. And um, I just am a sincere believer in see something, say something. Family members, coworkers, school friends and neighbors, if you see something, say something about someone who's acting peculiar that you think is a danger to your neighborhood, to your school, to your kids, to the carpool line, sticking your head in the sand, you know, is not a way to keep your neighborhood safe. That's just a common sense, good old-fashioned small-town principle. Uh, But... This person, you know, I think, based on what I saw on the television news, is under treatment for serious behavioral health challenges. And House Republicans have been for uh, federal support of behavioral health. Look, Asa Hutchison expanded it pretty mightily as our governor, and he led the charge with school safety reforms uh, that the police academy and others help implement throughout the state. So we've got to stop blaming an inanimate instrument for the behavior of people who are either sick or criminals or deranged, you know. Anyway, I don't want to get. I'm off on a rant, but um, no, you're on a good rant. Yeah, yeah, you're <laughs> yeah. You're, you're just saying it the way it yeah. is, Congressman. Yeah. Hey, Congressman, let me ask this: um, We here in in Arkansas, we've got one guy, uh, Chief Hayward Finks, former assistant chief at Little Rock, who handles the the school safety for North Rock School District. And yeah, he's yeah. been very innovative in school safety. And back to your point about doors and what you guys are trying to do to get funding that the Democrats are blocking, 
is those systems that the chief has put in over there with the with the monitors on each door when one door yep. is even cracked alarms go off yep uh, magnetic locks uh codes in in chief has been real innovative in while the North Carolina School District doesn't do good on a lot of things, they have done good on that. But I want you to talk about how the how the Democrats have blocked the funding you guys have tried to get for every school in the nation to be able to do what they've done at North Little Rock. Yeah, well, back in 2018, we did get a bill passed that you know got some bipartisan support. Uh, it went to President Trump; he signed it into law. But they, it's always made political. What about school safety? What about mental health? Why can't we keep it on the subject that's relevant instead of using it as a political tool to uh, beat people? And uh, it doesn't work. Americans are pro-Second Amendment. Americans are pro-self-defense. Americans are are, are pro uh, those ownership rights. And um, we try to expand the understanding of people that, what a gun looks like doesn't make it an assault rifle. And that's all Democrats talk about is it's got a plastic stock. Oh, my God, it's an assault rifle. So um, we need cooperation on that. I hope Sarah Sanders makes that a point. She's made education her number one issue. I would encourage her to go to schools, check in with people, talk about security, talk about what the state's done to enhance school, school security when she's with her superintendents, and always be out in front on this issue of protecting our kids. Well, yesterday the president said firearms were the number one leading cause of death of children under 17 years of age. That didn't ring right with me. I, I went to the CDC and started checking on that, and the president lied to the American people yesterday about that. Let me just go over some stuff I got. The CDC's data category for unintentional injury shows out that out of 4,552 deaths of children, between the ages of 1 and 17, motor vehicles accounted for 2,100 of those deaths. Uh, yeah. Drownings accounted for 753. Poisonings accounted for 502. Suffocation accounted for 212. Fires accounted for 204. Transport accounted for 152. And firearms accounted for 120. Yeah, yeah. <coughs> well, that that's... Um Exactly, you know, right, and exactly how I've thought of it. And we know firearms uh, are deeply involved in suicides, and yes. deeply involved in suicides of young people too, who have who've either got a terrible behavioral health challenge or uh, a drug addiction or alcohol addiction. So, but again, uh, we're on the. You and I are absolutely on the same page here. House Republicans are on the same page, uh, and I think governors. Uh, Taking a leadership here is also so important, and that's why I appreciate Governor Sanders being a strong Second Amendment governor, but also being somebody focused on our kids. She's thinking about her own family, which is right. All right. I got two minutes. Let me just ask anything that we should be paying attention to before uh, we talk again next Wednesday. Well, I think that uh, uh, you're going to hear us start this effort to show how the Biden administration is failing the American people on energy your upcoming interview with westerman will give you a complete preview not only of this bill but we're what we're talking about in the future 
And uh, just know that House Republicans are up here pushing back against the liberals uh, in the Biden administration and that we're focused uh, deeply on the things that if we can win the House back and win the presidency, how we would turn this country around and go back in the direction I know our Kansans want. Well, we're with you. You know that, uh, Congressman. We appreciate your time that you've given to us today. We'll talk to you next Wednesday. Have a great weekend. Have a great week. Bye-bye now. Washington, D.C., We've got uh, Congressman Bruce Westerman with us now, 4th District. Good to have you along with us, uh, uh, Congressman. Let me start off. Yesterday, uh, there was a member of the president's uh, cabinet in front of a a, a, a committee. I don't know if it was yours or not. They were talking energy, and they were asked a question uh, by going to electric vehicles the way we are in the United States where we're making ourselves more dependent upon the Chinese, and they said yes. Well, good good morning, Dave. And Oh, my goodness, I didn't know, I didn't know that had made it out into the news cycle yet, but I saw it late last night when I got through with meetings and everything. I, I probably watched that video but I watched it 20 times over in disbelief every time. But that was uh, the Secretary of the Interior, Deb Holland, who, before Biden got elected president, served one term in Congress, and she was on the Natural Resources Committee with me. And uh, she was testifying before the Appropriations Committee. So she's uh, testifying on the president's budget before the Appropriations Committee. And Guy okay who's from Pennsylvania, where they got all the Marcellus shell gas and everything, he was asking her questions about critical minerals. And it's still hard to believe that she said what she said. Uh, I mean, she she told the truth when she admitted that we're dependent on China for critical minerals. But the part that shocked me was when they were talking about the the mining withdrawals and the, the one they did in Minnesota on the Twin Metals mine that she had no clue what was actually in that mine, yet she did the withdrawal to uh, to pull the lease so that it couldn't be mined up there. That is, it is unbelievable that she's the Secretary of Interior that uh, pushed this mining withdrawal without even understanding what she was doing. And, yep. you know, the very critical minerals that were dependent on from China could be mined right out of of that mine, and she was clueless about it. She'll probably get to come before uh, uh, to my committee and talk about that as well. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. Well, it's not kind of. It's very interesting that the Biden administration is reducing mining in the United States by leaps and bounds, and if we don't do the mining and the minerals here in our own country— then we're going to be dependent upon some other country. And in many cases, it's the Chinese themselves because, well, we're getting it from we're getting it from over in Africa. The Chinese are the ones that are mining it in Africa. Right. With child slave labor. So yesterday, while while Secretary Holland was testifying at appropriations, I was out on the floor uh, for for three hours on the floor and a lot of other meetings. Uh, but we were managing the bill, H.R. 1, which is our highest priority bill, which is the Lower Energy Cost Act, that addresses those very issues of mining and energy production in America. And the Democrats' response to it was polluters over people. As they say, that our bill used U.S. energy to use U.S. mining to stop those Chinese supply chains. 
and to create American jobs and grow the American economy, their, their best response to that was we're putting polluters over people. And we just wore them out on that, saying you're the ones that are putting polluters over people. You're putting Putin, uh, Xi Jinping, the crown prince of Saudi. That's who you're putting over the people of the United States. But they just stick to that that one talking point, polluters over people. That's the message they're trying to get out, that our bill to release American energy and minerals, uh, which benefits the economy, it benefits the environment, it benefits um, the American workers, and it, it hurts Putin and China. The only people that want us not to develop our resources are Russia, China, and OPEC. Well, let me just remind you that uh, they're they're depending on the Goebbels' view of uh, propaganda because they, you know, Goebbels used to say, "Tell a big enough lie long enough, and people will believe it." So that's why they keep repeating the same thing over and over and over again, so that it becomes something that people hear and they go, "Oh yeah, that's true." Polluters over people. Polluters over people. They'll, they'll make people believe that. Yeah, well, there there are polluters over people. It's the Democrat Party. They're yeah, I agree. The, the pollution. <laughs> yeah, they're pointing so at you. Keep, every every time they bring it up, we uh, and even we had to. I had to testify at rules committee, and I saw they were using that theme. So the good thing about being in the majority is I was the first one to speak when uh, I introduced the bill on the floor. So I pointed out that the Democrat Party is putting polluters over people. So I kind of got the first word in on it. That's good. Take away some of their thunder. Doesn't really matter. Hey, con- hey, yeah. Congressman, it's Jimmy. And uh, you bring up you bring up some really good points. Talk to the people about if we if we used our own resources and we we were mining ourselves here, we do it much better, much cleaner. Worldwide, globally, how much better would it be to re- reduce pollution? If we were doing it instead of the Chinese and people doing it in South Africa and these other country, uh, uh, continents, it would to me it would actually reduce worldwide pollution if if we took the lead and did our own resources. It, un, unequivocally, it would. Russian natural gas is forty seven percent has a forty seven percent higher carbon footprint than U.S. natural gas. When we produce a barrel of oil in the Gulf of Mexico, uh, it's 10 times less carbon emissions than if that that oil is shipped in from Saudi Arabia. When we do mining, we do it better than any place in the world. We have stringent water protection. We have stringent air emissions protections. And we don't have human rights violations. Uh, what the Democrats, they know, but they've got their head in the sand on, is that Putin could care less about their climate agenda. China could care less about their climate agenda. OPEC could care less about their climate agenda. And they are empowering the very people that are polluting more than than anyone else on the planet. Uh, Talking about critical minerals, this is one of the statistics that uh, came out in the testimony in our committee when we had a hearing on the bill that I've been using a lot. In 1995 the United States produced three times more copper than China. And um, I guess I'm getting old because 1995 doesn't seem like that. Doesn't long seem ago. that long ago, does it? <laughs> <laughs> no. To, today, 
China produces 11 times more copper than we produce. Wow. Yeah. Let wow. that sink in. And if you, you're talking about electrifying everything, um, the World Bank says that uh, in the next 25 years, we need to mine more copper than we have mined in the history of the world. And look who's controlling the copper. They, China controls 42% of the global supply of copper. Well, look at our steel industry. In 95, we produced slightly more steel than China. Today, they produce 12 times mm-hmm. more steel than we do. You, do. you know what the main ingredients in windmills and solar farms are? Steel and copper. And then you put take all the rare earth elements and critical minerals that China is dominating in that area, too. And it's it's not because we don't have them here. It's because we refuse to take them out of the ground and process them, which would be a massive economic boon to our country if we not only mined the material, but we refined it uh, into processed metals and then did the manufacturing on top of it. Uh, the, I got a report from the USGS and Department of Commerce that says our current uh, mining and, and refining and manufacturing, we have about $120 billion a year of, of raw material that's either mined or recycled, and that's, that's net of exports. We export quite a bit of our material here because we can't process it. We take that $120 billion worth of material, we process it into or refine it into processed metals. Those processed metals have a value of $900 billion. So you've gone from $120 billion of raw material to $900 billion of processed metals. Mm -hmm. The goods that are manufactured from those processed metals, they add $3.7 trillion to our GDP. Um, Looking at copper again, we've got two copper smelters and China has 50. We've got the deposits of copper but Deb Holland doesn't even realize they're in the mine in northern Minnesota, along with cobalt and nickel and platinum and palladium. Um, you, they're they're destroying our country. Well, they're putting us definitely at a a huge strategic risk in this country, and we'll talk about that when we come back. Our guest is Congressman uh, uh, Westerman from the Fourth District. I want to talk about how this makes us. Uh, strategically uh, impotent against the Chinese. We'll talk about that in just a moment. Hillcrest Designer uh, Jewelry, located 3000 Cavanaugh Suite E. Don't forget Mother's Day is in May. you got about four or five weeks uh, to, uh, if you want to get something uniquely made, something created by uh, Eric, you got about five weeks for him to do it. Go see him today and talk to him about it. He'll be right there at the 3000 Cavanaugh Suite E uh, destination from 10 o'clock this morning until six o'clock this evening i've used eric many a time i can attest that the man is an artisan he is uh, smart in in how he designs things he'll take your ideas and he'll make them a reality for you that's at hillcrest designer jewelry congressman bruce westerman on the air with us some really interesting and uh I think very important uh, informational uh, pieces of information for you as far as how how we you know can make uh, we can bring we can get oil we can get natural gas we can get these minerals out of these uh, mines and we do it much more uh, 
cleaner than these other countries do, especially China and, of course, uh, Russia. Let's let's talk a little bit about that, Congressman. Uh, uh, we try to be the uh, the arbiters or the people the people who are wanting to do everything that we can to keep the you know the the environment clean and things of that nature. That's not the case with our enemies, and let's let's face it: China and Russia are both our enemies, and they're not worried about it like we are. Is that not correct? Well, more than that, Dave, they're using it to compete against us. Uh, the last time we were in the majority, I was the chairman of the Oversight Subcommittee on the Natural Resources Committee, and we sent a letter to some of these really far-left environmental groups asking um, about funding they were receiving and why they weren't registered as foreign agents because a lot of them were receiving funding from the Chinese Communist Party, and they were they were two-faced. They would go after uh, American companies, uh, the American military, and hold up everything they tried to do, and they would not say a word. Like China was out there building um, islands over coral reefs in the South China Sea to put military assets on it, and these environmental groups never even acted like it was an issue. So, um, you know, Putin told Europe how bad fracking was. Uh, so, so Europe thinks that the natural gas we produce in the U.S. by fracking, uh, they used to think it was a bad thing. Although Chancellor Schultz told the delegation, you know, the Chancellor of Germany a couple of weeks ago, uh, the message to take back to America was that gas equals peace. Send us as much gas as you can send us. Uh, so Putin uses propaganda to push his energy products. Uh, China uses propaganda to stop our products or project and so they can sell more of their stuff and it's it's more than just um, the the at-home influence of it these other countries they don't care about the environment and they use our laws to impede our progress here and it's such a it's it's really sad because we could be doing so much better we've been blessed with resources I was just looking um, I, uh, while I was in graduate school, I had a class called The Economics of Natural Resource Use, and they had this concept that if you, the only way you develop wealth is through your resources. You develop your resources, and that's farming, that's mining, that's energy, uh, forestry, all of that is where wealth is produced, and that wealth gets spread throughout your economy. And the the earth is what produces wealth. So, you know, we do, you know, you might think the computer industry produces a lot of wealth. What's the computer industry doing? It's taking minerals and elements and it's putting them together with some some knowledge and technology to produce a product that people buy. Uh, When you stop using your resources, you cap the amount of wealth that you can produce. And if you're buying your resources from another country, you're exporting your wealth. So China and OPEC are milking our country of the wealth that's been accumulated over the years, and these numbskulls refuse to develop the resources that we have, that we do it safer, uh, more environmentally friendly, no human rights violations, everything you would want in resource development. We have it here in the U.S., 
but it's a not-in-my-backyard technology that does nothing but empower our adversaries. Well, yeah, the NEBs are really bad. There's no doubt about a NEB is not in my backyard. Uh, that's what they call them. And, and the bottom line is they fight against the very things that we need to be doing to make our country stronger. As I said uh, during before we went to break, they're making us strategically impotent. I mean, the, the Chinese are using all of these minerals and things that they're getting to build their Navy. Their Navy is going to be much bigger than ours in just a couple of years. And I had a naval commander tell me a few years ago when they were having problems developing a, uh, uh, a piece of land in the South Pacific uh, because of environmental uh, lawsuits and everything back here at home, his comment was the the Chinese Communist Party knows our environmental laws better than we know them, and they fund these groups and do everything they can to stop us from uh, from doing what we need to do. So this is you know we're talking about energy security, and if you go back and look at our commitment to America, the the Lower Energy Cost Act, the HR one bill that I'll be back on the floor working on today, it does more than just give us energy security and lower energy costs. It actual, actually provides national security. Uh, when China is controlling these minerals and elements, these are things that go into our armed forces, into our, mm-hmm. our aircraft and weapons system. And if they're controlling the supply on it, they have us in a really, really bad spot. You're exactly right, and we're glad you're in the position you are now because you can keep on blowing the horn. Keep on doing it loudly. We appreciate your time. We'll talk to you next week, Congressman. Thank you, Dave, and thank you for giving me a a horn to talk through. Absolutely, always. All right, Congressman Bruce Westerman here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Break. We got the AG up next here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Justice reform here in the uh, the state of, of Arkansas. That's going to be a big issue over the next uh, few weeks as far as uh, uh, that's concerned. Probably, I'm going to th- I think they could probably get it done this week uh, completely, but we'll see. And then uh, I also want to talk to him about a story you may have seen today in the newspaper, uh, if you read the newspaper. And uh, that was, of, of course, uh, the uh, lawsuit being brought by the state of Arkansas against Meta and against TikTok. So we want to talk to him about uh, that as well and get some information from him on that. But we're supposed to hear from the uh, Attorney General today during the 8 o'clock hour. He'll be with us to about the bottom of the hour is uh, what we're we're figuring. Before we do that, though, uh, while we wait for him to give us a call uh, here at the uh, uh, the station, let me remind you that today is a big day uh, over uh, at the uh, the Capitol. They'll be uh, dealing with the uh, the FOIA issue again uh, today. Uh, it's going to happen after recess in the afternoon is what we're hearing, is it's going to come up. And uh, I have to tell you, as I read the story today in the paper, it got to the bottom of the of the article, I'm a little bit, I'm, I'm sad that uh, the governor seems not to be firmly behind keeping FOIA as strong as it has been in the past. But that's something we'll talk about here uh, yeah, before did, we get done today. Hottest topic going right now in the I state. think it is. Yeah. 
except for the one we're going to talk right now with the Attorney Another General. Another topic. Yeah, Tim Griffin <laughs> is joining us by phone. Hello, A.G., how you doing today? Oh, another day in paradise. I bet. It is. Living, yeah. living the American dream, aren't you? <clears throat> living, living the dream, my friend. <laughs> uh, just happy to, happy to be healthy and alive. Um, anyway, yeah, so I appreciate you. Sorry for being a couple minutes late. I've been juggling a bunch of phone calls this morning. That's all right. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so criminal justice, critically important. Critically, critically important. Look, um, in a nutshell, we haven't been, you know, you hear a lot of people say, well, we've been locking this many people up or that. No, we haven't. No, to the extent we've been locking them up, we've been letting them go. That's right. And, And there's nothing more disrespectful to law enforcement to say, hey, I know y'all risk your life arresting this person, but we're gonna we're gonna release them after a couple of years. See if you can catch them again. That's what's going on. Well, how, I mean, people people you know people get twelve years, they do two. Right. People do misdemeanors, they get nothing because the county jails have been co-opted by the state as prisons, many prisons, and they're not prepared to do that they're not trained they're not staffed and so basically there's no place for misdemeanors violations to go so you can drag race graffiti drunk drive whatever you whatever misdemeanor simple assault whatever and you never really have to worry about going to to jail because the jails are all full of people that ought to be in a state prison that's right it's a total. It's a total joke. It's a total joke, and every every prisoner knows <clears throat> the state system is a joke, and the federal system is serious and scares them. All right, There's so, no question about it. So I, I talked to I talked to uh, a gentleman who used to work with you in your office when you were uh, the lieutenant governor, and that's uh, Gilmore. He's now state senator, yeah. and he's been working yeah. very uh, uh, judiciously with you about this. Uh, particular topic and uh, he was stated in the paper and he stated it on my show before uh, early in the session when I had him on that they wanted to get to where people who commit really violent crimes they do 100% of their sentences 85% on the others and but the only it has to be until 2025 that we can start that because we got to build a new prison to take care of those those serious offenders yeah well bad decisions have consequences I mean, you know, if you jump off a cliff and break about 30 bones, you may want to run the next day, but it ain't happening. Right. I mean, look, when you go 20 years without doing what you ought to do in terms of expanding capacity, guess what? You don't have any extra capacity. That's right. And, uh, And guess what? That's a problem. And there's no magic wand. There's no magic wand to, to wave and fix it. So it's just going to take some it's going to take some time to get that uh, to get that fixed. Uh, and there's no way around that particular problem. Um, and so that that does that does stymie our ability to make immediate have an immediate impact. Although 
some of the most violent. You know, we we can we can come up with uh, we can come up with some bads pretty quickly. But here's the problem: we say some of the most violent this and that. That's who's in. I mean, the, the, the state prisons are not filled with pot smoking, hot check writing, uh, shoplifting folks. You got to work. Someone put it this way to me, and I'm gonna say it now because it's it's pretty darn accurate. You got to work hard to get into state prison because they're looking for every single reason not to put you there because they're just maxed out. Exhibit A <clears throat> about twice a year. Over the last so many years, the governor has had to release people or has released people under the Emergency Powers Act because they were just full. And you may think, well, those were, you know, those were petty theft. Uh -uh. No, they're not. Petty theft doesn't go to state prison. How are you going to release somebody from state prison for a low-level crime when they never went there in the first place? Well, the answer is you're not. Right. But who are we releasing? You don't have to guess who. They put out a list when they do these emergency releases. Yeah. I've got one of the lists from March of 22, I think, on my phone. i got it on my phone. I can't do it while I'm talking to you. But if you look down the list, you know, sexual assault, rape, blah, blah, blah. Those are the people we've had to, not we've had to, that, that the state has released. Right. Intentionally. So, I mean, look, it doesn't take a rocket scientist. Apparently it does. To know <laughs> that if, if, you, if you release violent people into society, you will get more violence. Yeah, you're going to have problems. Yeah. That's right. And you know what? Does it sadden me that we have to lock so many people up? Sure. Does it sadden me that we have so much crime? Sure. Does it sadden me that, that this world has problems? Sure. But when you get done living in the land of, of unicorns, glitter, and rainbows, and you're ready to deal with reality, then come talk to me. Because the reality is the way to stop someone who has a habitual nature, who has a problem of habitually committing violence, is to, the way to, fi to fix that is to incapacitate them. What does that mean? Put them in a place where they cannot harm others. That's what you do. There's, I mean, that's a pretty. If you don't understand, you know, if you don't understand that fundamental point, then I can't even have a conversation with you. I'm with you. It's pretty, you know. And that's where we are. That's where we are. And the current the current system is just a nightmare. So, um, what what this bill will allow us to do is is keep those people who would harm us locked up, expand capacity, which is critical. And then on the, the lower end uh, the lower end of the, of the criminal conduct scale, which is still really, really, really important, where there's more opportunity, more likely people more likely to be rehabilitated, then there are other there are more expansive options. But in any event, even with the lower end stuff, this legislation changes the default. The default in our current system is if you just breathe, you get out early. And this is changing it to if you just breathe, you stay in your whole sentence. 
you have got to earn your way out early. Otherwise, you're in the whole time. So it's not really parole. It's not really – I mean, I, I like to – the federal system got rid of parole. And it basically says, look, you get the full time. You can earn your way down, but you get the full time. The current system is you get 10 years, your eligibility, your parole eligibility date, which may be two years, a year and a half, whatever, that's your sentence because that's when you're getting out. If you just breathe, even if you beat some people up, attack an officer in jail, you'll probably still get out early. We've got instances of that. So it just shifts the whole paradigm. And the, and the current system is a, just horribly failed. All right. A.G., Tim Griffin with us here on the Dave Ellswick Show. We're going to take a quick break. We'll come back, finish up our conversation with him. We want to talk to him a little bit about, about criminal justice, and then I want to talk to him about these new lawsuits that are being uh, proposed about TikTok and about Meta. We'll do that as we continue on the Dave Ellswick Show. We're with the uh, Arkansas Attorney General, Tim Griffin. It's always a pleasure uh, to have him on just as a total you know, transparency. The uh, Attorney General has been a friend of mine for many years. He and I got to be friends when he was counting chads down in, in Florida. <laughs> I like to always mention that to people. He was when he was down oh, in Florida. Chad. Yeah, when you oh, were down there. Oh, good friends, Chad. Yeah, absolutely. There's so many people named Chad living in Florida. <laughs> <laughs> so I've got Jimmy Cavan here. He wanted to ask you a question, uh, uh, Tim. What What is it? That, yeah, uh, General, you know, We've got – I don't think people realize that our county sheriffs and our deputies are really the front line on fighting the drug trade and the cartels in the state because they're here. They're in the small counties and small towns. But I would like you to address or talk to the people about how we literally handcuff our sheriffs and those deputies by turning them from law enforcement agency into actual correctional facilities and what it actually costs the people. Yeah, well, look um – Anytime you distort uh, what or uh, anytime that you misuse some, a tool or something that is made for one purpose and you use it inappropriately for another purpose, there are going to be consequences, right? If you try to use your, your uh, uh, Chevy Suburban as a backhoe, or a bulldozer, you're, you're going to have some problems. <clears throat> well, county jails are created for a purpose. They are created to house misdemeanors as a result of executing mis- what I call misdemeanor justice, to deal with people before they do things that would land them in state prison. Now, there are some state prisoners who would end up in a county jail as a temporary transfer matter, of course. They're arrested in a county. They're held there. But by and large, you're not talking about the most hardened, violent criminals. You're, you're not – the intention is not to have those people in a county jail because the people – first of all, the facilities aren't built for – they're not built like a prison. The, the, the people that work there are not trained to deal – with the most hardened violent felons the way they are in a in a prison and in a prison there are training programs that help deal with a lot of the problems that these long-term felons have those do not they're not available 
in a in a county jail. And and so what happens is when you take a county jail and misuse it for something other than its stated purpose, it takes more personnel to secure it, deputies, right? It risks their lives. We had a we had a violent felon kill uh, an officer over in uh, Perryville, and I went to the funeral. Well, I guess it was last year. Um, there are all sorts of consequences that relate to using a county jail for something other than its stated purpose, and and that's what we have going on, and it does take people off of the streets. It does put our officers at a higher risk. It is less effective because the training and the and the education and the programs uh, that a lot of these felons need are not available in every county and in most counties they're not sorry. And uh, so yeah, there are all sorts of consequences. But it's real simple. Use something for its stated purpose. If you do not if you if you veer from that, there are consequences, and that's exactly what we're seeing happening here. And as I said the other day at the press conference, we've basically taken the misdemeanor part of the criminal code, and we have just thrown it away because right. everybody everybody knows they're not going to be put in county jail. All right, I want to get to one uh, last topic before I let you go. We're we're down to about four minutes left, uh, uh, Tim, and and that is uh, this new lawsuit that you guys just announced in the on the front page of the newspaper today, going after Meta, going after TikTok. Uh, explain this out to to my listeners so they they can understand exactly where the governor is on this and and what you are doing to follow what the governor wants done. Well, let me be clear. I wanted this done as well. Uh, we've been talking about this uh, uh, since I don't know the exact day, but I was really interested. I was m- moving ahead, and at some point it came up, and, and we realized she had the same, shared the same concerns, and there's no daylight between us on that. Uh, but we've got three lawsuits. We're the, first of all, there's one lawsuit against Meta. There's two lawsuits against TikTok and ByteDance. The theme of all three of these uh, is, is deception, not the content per se. That's not the issue. It's the deception. And so on the first lawsuit, Meta, which owns Facebook and Instagram, that, that lawsuit were the we're the first state in the United States to sue on this basis. And what that is about is not about the content. It's about the fact that they use these addictive algorithms and they have stated publicly, even in front of the United States Congress, that they do not. And we know for a fact that this has an impact on adolescents uh, uh, and, and children, teens, etc. And we have a Deceptive Trade Practices Act. When you lie about the product and what it will do and what it won't do, uh, then there are consequences to that. That's what the first – that's what the meta suit's about. Okay. Uh, the, 
the first of the two TikTok suits uh, is about deception. So TikTok says uh, that they that you cannot get to adult content on TikTok unless you're of a certain age, and that they have sufficient way of filtering out younger people from adults in terms of content. Well. I can tell you that that is not the case in reality. Anybody can see just about anything. And uh, they want to keep people thinking, or at least represent, that they are protecting children because then they get a higher rating on the App Store, Apple App Store, for example. So it's part of their business uh, model to uh, project this concern to communicate this concern about kids but the, the reality is that's not true uh, if you actually sign on and go through the motions you'll see that's not true uh, the second the second lawsuit that's one lawsuit in deception the third lawsuit the second one against TikTok and bike dance relates to who can access their data the data or uh, kansans data mm-hmm. uh and and that is um the uh, with regard to China, China has access to it ultimately, and we have uh, we have uh, evidence that China can access it if they want it, and that is again inconsistent with what they have been representing. All right. So what that so there you go. So you've got deception, 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 and we have a number of ways. Uh, a number of things in the state uh, that exist in law to hold them accountable. One of them is Arkansas Deceptive Trade Practices Act. All right. We're going to let you go. I promise you 30 minutes. We've hit it, and you have a great day, and we'll have you on in the very near future again. You're a legend. The man, the legend. (laughs) We'll We'll talk to you later, Tim. Thanks so much. We appreciate it. To the Attorney General for joining us here on the Dave Ellswick Show. And again, full transparency, I'm really good friends with Tim Griffin. I mean, very good friends with him. Have been, I, I, it was too, I had been here less than a week. And when I got here into uh, Little Rock to be uh, do talk, uh, the big story was what was going on between Bush and, and Gore. That election was going down. And uh, they were counting the chads, and Tim was on my show several times because he was down there counting ballots. That's what he was doing. And we got to be friends from that point on, and uh, I've, been, uh, I've, I've liked what he has done as he's moved up the ranks of the Republican Party. Liked him when he was a congressman. Liked him when he was uh, you know, doing all the different things that he's done. And now he's the AG, and I think he's going to do a fine job for us as AG. And I um, wanted to have him on today to talk about what was going on with this uh, this justice uh, legislation that is being run on the Senate side by Gilmore. Uh, this is his second term uh, as uh, being a senator here in the state of Arkansas. Uh, he used to work for the lieutenant governor and then decided he was going to run uh, for a seat, and uh, I got behind his run because I knew, I knew him, knew what he thought, knew what he, what he, where he wanted to go, and and uh, you know he he broke a, 
a, a big time stranglehold by the Democrats down south mm-hmm. where yeah. he's at. So yeah. he did. He's doing a great job. He, I, I have nothing but good things to say about him. He's got he's got his pose set up now. That when he knows the photo, you know, the photographers around. He's got that. He kind of leans to the <laughs> to the to the left a little bit, looking down. <laughs> Wayne's got poses. You can always right? tell yeah, what he's yeah, thinking. Yeah, Wayne has Wayne's a pose poses, too. Right? He has that as well. But anyway, it just you know, it's a serious pose that you. you I wish you, you could do. see Wayne right now because he's posing. Yeah, there you go. And you got that. You know, well, Gilmore's got that little tassel of hair, kind of like Superman, that hangs down a little bit. You know. Yeah. So ben, anyway, Ben's been in Ben's been in politics long. Ben's a good man. He, he is a good man. He's, he's a he great senator. And uh, I expect even bigger things from him in the, in the future. But he's running the bill, and uh, I had him on the second week of the session to talk to him about it. And there were things that he was talking about that we heard that the attorney general uh, talk about, about building the new prison and all of that. And he was alluding to those things but really couldn't talk about those things because all this stuff was still being fleshed out at the time. So it's it's been interesting to watch this all come together. Now it goes up. Uh, it's going to go to the judiciary. It has to pass the judiciary, and then it has to go to the Senate floor, and then it's got to go to the House side to the judiciary, and then it's got to go to the floor, and it's got to be passed there. So you got all of this still still coming up. Now you get to watch the sausage it, get made. It's, you it's know, so this, important. Uh, I'm sorry. Go wait, ahead. Go it, ahead. It, it's so important that this gets done. I'll tell you why. We were just talking about it. You know, I'm very involved in law enforcement, yeah. as everybody knows. you got and, a son that's in law yes, enforcement. Yes, I do, and one that's a firefighter, and so proud of him. But what what the cops will tell you is, is it's so important to have resources, especially in these counties, to fight the drug cartels, which are all the the ground towns they in are. Arkansas. But instead of that, the counties are having to put their resources to run in a county jail like it's a state correctional mm-hmm. facility, and that's not what they're there to do. Get them back out there to fight on the drugs. You know, that's that's one of the things that we talked about yesterday, and and I don't remember if we was on the air when we talked about well, it. Oh yeah, we, we we just kind of passed it because we were talking about the the AG was going to be on today. We was talking about uh, one of the guys that uh, um, a sheriff down there in Clark County down around Arkadelphia was telling about how much fentanyl he is actually he's actually uh found. Yeah, we were talking fair was here and right when they, fair they, was they, here they brought him up to test right. uh, to, to talk about and that. i can tell you that guy he, he said i need more officers if i could get more officers we could do a lot more but says but i also had to patrol the county and and so he's you know he's looking at resources if he had more officers just think of the fentanyl and this is getting all the way up to clark county from down there from the border let me tell you something i wish our shares between here and texarkana <laughs> they stopped coming up by a 30 after after you got well, done well this is what i you know you hear us mention it all the time that arkansas is a border state to mexico well to be honest with you now here in the united states <laughs> Every state is a border, a border state. state. Sure yeah. the, let, let me tell you something. The, the cartel in the fentanyl are in BB, Arkansas. They're in Mark Tree, Arkansas. They're in Pocahontas, Arkansas. In Holly Grove, Arkansas. The, yes. And, and this legislation is so important because it will free up the sheriff and Clark. It will free up 
to instead of putting all their resources into running a correctional which facility, which they're not supposed to be, which doing. they're not supposed to be doing, they can put those resources on out in the county to right. get the drugs. And I think that was one of the things. Even here with uh, the sheriff, the Democrat sheriff that's here in Pulaski Higgins, County, right? Is is that he's he's basically got a problem at the jail. And he's and he's got a problem, in my opinion. He's got a, a management problem in terms of the way he allocating he's allocating his well, resources. Yeah, sure, sure. Um, uh, and I see this not just in Pulaski County. I see it in a lot of counties. I see officers that are that are over in, in Brinkley that are overworked right now. Sure. And they and they're and they're being forced basically to work long hours. And they're not being compensated for it. Making fifteen dollars an hour, by the way. Mm-hmm. That's one or less. Yeah, you're yeah. gonna get shot at yeah. for fifteen dollars an hour. <laughs> yeah, by some drug, by some drug cartel. That's yeah, right. some, I had to some pay some me a lot cartel. of money to be shot at. Mm-hmm. Although I have to admit, I was in the military, so it's, I was shot at. Well, it's different. It's a little, little different cheaper. there. <laughs> in, in Stuttgart, you know, a few months ago, tragically, we had an officer lose his life at, to the hands of a criminal in Stuttgart. Well, in Stuttgart. The patrol officers actually make less than fifteen dollars. Mm-hmm. Wow! And a, a, a patrol officer left Stuttgart to go to the town of England because he made more money, and in England he made fifteen dollars and fifteen cents an hour. I found the same thing in Monroe County. Yeah. The exact same thing that uh, I was talking to one of the law enforcement officers in the parking lot one day over there, and, and uh, he was coming from from over there at uh, Duval's Bluff, driving all the way over to Clarendon just to go to work. And I said, what, 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 are you, "What are you getting paid?" And he told me, and I said, "Man, I said, that's how are you affording the gas to drive yeah, to work? Yeah. You know, yeah. to to come to a law enforcement thing, and you're and you're here in this this county, right? And you don't you don't understand the the uh, the gangs that are in Holly Grove and, right. and these little small towns because n- nobody's watching them over there." Yeah. That's why you have drug deals that are going Nobody on. Nobody talks right about them and those because are, the local yeah. media doesn't do what they're supposed to be doing. No, and these officers don't have backup. No. When when my when my son was in England where he started off, he was it on the on the graveyard shift. Mm-hmm. He was the only cop on duty. Nobody else is on duty, and if he needed backup, sometimes he would be in situations where he would have to wait 20, 30 minutes for for a county or state agency to get there to back so, him Some up. backup, yeah. yeah. And that's that's ridiculous. For I less mean. than 15 bucks an hour. Yeah. I mean. You know. Yeah, I went riding down in Saline County a couple of times. I've ridden with the deputies, you know. Mm-hmm. They, they just cover so much area. Right. It's it's incredible. And, and I, I was with one uh, deputy one night, and— I uh, got a call of a bus that was pulled over out on I-30 and uh, went out to take a look. And sure enough, they they pulled up. I guess DEA had gotten a tip. They pulled out the uh, suitcases and stuff and opened, started opening some stuff up. And sure enough, they had a ton of marijuana that they were tracking up, up north. I'm going to brag on one agency is the White County Sheriff's Department, you know, the, the sheriff up there really fights for resources for his people. But you take that White County Sheriff's Department, their deputies with the with the lack of resources that bigger agencies have and everything, you can't imagine oh, the I results know. they get in, in drugs and guns and off, the, mm-hmm. off the county roads, and they do a phenomenal job. Just think what they could do if we didn't handcuff them with these correctional facilities. Yeah, Get ready yeah. tomorrow. i got Benny Johnson coming on. Uh, Benny Johnson, of course, stopped 
uh, stop the violence uh, here in, in Little Rock. Benny's been a good friend of mine for many of a, uh, of a year. He'll join me uh, on, on telephone tomorrow, and we're going to talk about uh, Little Rock and the violence here in Little Rock. He's got some things it's he here. wants to talk about that. <laughs> yeah. All right, don't forget about PI Roofing, PI Roofing Home Solutions. They'll take care of putting your roof on for you. Uh, and uh, the other thing that they're doing now, uh, it's not new, it's relatively, relatively new, but not new because they've been, the home solutions part has been around now for a little over a year. Uh, they'll do small construction jobs. What do I mean by small? Well, put together your deck, things of that nature. They'll do that. Maybe you had a leak in your roof. Maybe it you know, did a lot of damage in your wall because the water got down on the backside of the uh, the drywall. Maybe you got mold and you need to get it removed. Uh, they can do that for you. Uh, all you have to do is get a hold of the good folks at PI Roofing, and they've got a whole division within uh, their company now that that's all they do is construction. So talk to them. Let them save you some money uh, at 501-707-3115, 501-707-3115, or piroofing.com. Issues that I have identified within the bill um, that are nothing short of alarming, frankly. Um, and I'd like to point out that within our own Republican Party's platform, I'd like to read this to you. It says, we firmly support transparency and openness at every level of government. And this bill um, will do the opposite. It will actually make our government more opaque. And we already have a bloated government that the people don't feel like they are being heard and they can't keep up with what is being done. So uh, I, I'm, I find it concerning and disappointing. Well, it should be concerning. It should be concerning to everybody. The, the state of Arkansas has one of the best FOIA laws uh, here in the United States of America. And uh, I got problems with all these attacks that I'm saying go on. I mean, it was Republicans that initiated the FOIA law in the first place under Rockefeller when he was governor here in the state of Arkansas. And that's been in our platform, on our Republican platform, for years, for years and years and years. Yeah, I, I don't understand why this 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 change that's going on uh, with, uh, with some Republicans. I, I hear the argument, they say, you know, well, we want them to be kind of like the state legislature. Well, they're not like the state legislature. The state legislature meets every other year. They've got to be able to move, uh, you know, bills through a lot faster than what you got to do as a school board or a city council or, you know, your JPs or whatever. They can call a meeting whenever they want to and meet. And, uh, hey, right. Jen hey, Jennifer, Jimmy Cavan. Uh as uh, far as House Bill 1726 on this, it's really going to hamstring general citizens. But talk to us about what it's actually going to, how it's going to limit the free press. Okay, sure. So uh, there, I can go through a list of uh, some issues. If you look at Section Two, Page Two, so it expands the definition of materials not subject to disclosure because of ongoing investigations. Mm-hmm. So it's. It's overly broad. Um, so basically, and, and my question is, who's going to determine if it could be subject to a, an ongoing investigation? You know, is, is it tangential? You know, it limits data to the people. Um, and 
furthermore, if you look a little bit further down, it says it does not have to be an ongoing investigation, but information that might be used by the police in any criminal prosecution. (laughs) So so basically, if, if someone goes to a gas station, robs a gas station, that individual is charged, and then... Um, if somebody wants that video after they have been charged, um, it will. It could be argued that that video should not be turned over because it could be later used in a criminal investigation. Yeah, it might, so, it might be three years before we find out what happened, right? Right, right. So it's really, that. that's just one of the first ones. Um, also, the legal communication. I mean, this to me is just... That's just a complete cover-up. Now, what you're going to see them do is just start, they, they bring in lawyers, and I'm a lawyer, <laughs> but uh, they bring in lawyers to the conversation, um, even if there's really no legal advice or assistance needed, but um, then that communication can't be disclosed. And, you know, I, I'll, I'll tell you, I'm very concerned with how, to, to the lengths of which people our government officials are going to hide information from the people. I am personally saying it. Um, and I, I have reason to believe, well, I, I'll just tell you, I saw an email that was received yesterday through FOIA, uh, wherein the, uh, uh, the Association of Arkansas Counties is sending emails to clerks and other officials taking positions on bills and encouraging them to take the same position. But it, it appeared to me that it was, the, the, based on how it was written, it appeared that a, a certain elected official or elected officials were using the association to promote this policy idea because this association cannot, it's not subject to FOIA. So we're already seeing information that appears to be hidden, and now we have this bill that is going to make it even harder, almost impossible. Because then, I think one of the most appalling parts of this is the the payment. So if it yep. takes over eight hours for any uh, government official to retrieve this data, then they can charge. So l- let's just think about this. This data is owned by we the people. We own this data, and we've already paid to get it. And now they're wanting to charge us again for their inconvenience. Yeah, let me let me jump in with you, Jennifer, and let you talk about this. But when when they say that you've got to pay to get this, didn't we already pay? Don't we pay for the building that they're in? Didn't we pay for the equipment that they use? Didn't we pay? Don't we pay for their time at work already? Yes, and that's what's so shocking about it. We've paid for this already multiple ways, so they're wanting to to force us to pay double. I mean, if that was this was a private entity, this could be called grifting, price gouging, double billing. I mean, and there are criminal charges associated with that. But now we're seeing it, there's an attempt to legalize it in this, in this matter. So you're going, so to, you're, going to be, you're going to be at the Capitol this afternoon uh, uh, sitting down and talking to the committee? Uh, that's the plan. I'm actually here now. I just parked. Uh, uh, my husband and I have a couple of election integrity bills that are going to the Judiciary Committee at 10. Yes, you do. So I'm going to be yeah. here all day. Okay. So, well, why, uh, why, don't you, why don't you quickly give us an update on your election integrity bills? 
today? Uh, well, we're very proud to have Senator Clark running those. Um, and thank you for this opportunity uh, to speak about them. But uh, Senator Clark is running them on the Senate side, and he is a, I call him a people's champion. He really listens to his constituents, and he really is concerned about election integrity. So these bills do things such as giving people a right to a paper ballot. So while it's actually in the Constitution, it is vague enough that we see some election officials, they will either give a provisional ballot when they're asked for a paper ballot, or they will allow people to vote on paper ballot only up until Election Day, at which time they will require them to vote on a machine. Uh, we also do away with uh, designated bearers. So these are people that can come in, retrieve a ballot for who they claim is a family member or friend, and then bring it back to be uh, to be tabulated. Um, so they're... My husband is an election com or was an election commissioner, and uh, he actually saw this happen. An individual came in, got two ballots for her parents. When she turned them back in, uh, one of the poll workers said, I know her parents. They both have late-stage Alzheimer's. There's no way they know who they voted for. So, uh, you know, there's some concerns like that. So uh, really what we're doing is we're just trying to strengthen our election integrity laws and, and really get Arkansas um, at the top as in matters of election integrity. We have to clean it up. We have to be proactive. We have to be ahead of the curve on this one. We can't wait until there's a problem and then try to fix it. We shouldn't be like Georgia and Pennsylvania and these other states. Well, you know, we should be championing this now. Yeah, and Jennifer, you're hitting the nail on the head. For the folks out there, give them the, give them the bill number that's going to be in the Senate that you're fighting for in, uh, so that they can go to the website, read it so they can get in tune, and they can reach out to their representatives and senators. Oh, okay. Thank you, Jimmy. I'm so sorry. I wish I had them right in front of me. Um, let's see here. We have, uh, okay, Senate Bill 431. Um, let's see here. Uh, I'm so sorry. I'm trying to no, pull it no, up. No, you're fine. You're fine. There's so many bills. Um, in yeah, we go, we go through this members. all the time, yeah. let me tell you. Just say they're in the Senate it Judiciary. Is they're in the Senate Judiciary is, Committee, yes. right? Yes, at 10 o'clock, and we have four going today, um, and we'll have another one filed later this week. So uh, I'm, I apologize. I don't want to take up your time while I'm looking for those, but I'll text you shortly after. Okay, we'll, yeah. we'll get all that information out, but it's going to be in the Judiciary Committee, yes. committee that's meeting today. At correct? 10 a.m., right, Jennifer? At 10 a.m. in yeah. room seven, uh, 171. All right. Okay. Very good. They're, you're going to be in the Capitol, that's so the that's floor. a good place yeah, to be. Yeah. It's right down. I know exactly yes. where that is. Okay, so uh, g good work. I'm glad to hear that you and your husband are, are in the trenches doing uh, the people's uh, bidding. Now, it, that's if, good. If nobody has ever had a chance to hear Jennifer speak, if she's going to be somewhere, you know, I would encourage you to go. I listened to her a month or so ago. You were there, Mr. Beach. And, oh. uh, at the Faulkner County meeting, and I mean, just wow, she just wowed everybody, yeah. and, and uh, she's on top of her game. So I would encourage everybody to go see her whenever she's speaking. And and having oh, a legal, thank you. And having a legal background and being very articulate and very very intelligent, I'm telling you, Jennifer blows me away. Yeah. Well, yeah. you know, being very oh. intelligent and being a lawyer do not necessarily go hand in hand. <laughs> But but, 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 for, but for her, it's a good thing. For her, it's a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate you so much. You're all 
very kind, very generous. I love Buckner County. You guys have a great committee and a great leader in Jason Bollinger, true patriot there. Um, I did pull up these bills, so if you don't mind, I will come back to that. So it's SB 429, SB 430, SB 431, and uh, SB 435. All right. I got them all right here. So it's uh, 29, 30, 31, 4, 400, and then 435. Yeah, and she, she Jennifer, yeah. I just want everybody to know, Jennifer is there fighting for the citizens. Let me tell you something. You're talking about fighting for citizens. She's the one that put on a constitution camp down there. She's the, she's the brainchild. That's where I got to know Jennifer at. I'm going to tell you what. That is one of the best. I participate in it every year that I can. I called. I called her a couple of years ago to to have her on, and she was like, "Why are you calling me?" And I said, "You got a constitution camp. I want you to talk about." It. And we had a good time talking about it, didn't we, Jennifer? We did. I really enjoyed it. Thank you for that opportunity. Anytime. And thank you for the opportunity to visit with you guys today. Absolutely. Wonderful. All right. We'll let you get into the Capitol. You have, you found your, you say you found your parking spot, right? <laughs> I did. I did. <laughs> okay. Right. I will visit, I'll get back with you all soon. Have a great day. Same to you now, Bye. Jennifer Lancaster. She's the second district chair. Again, those Senate bills that she's... Uh, has uh, Senator Clark running for her in the Judiciary Committee today on Senate Bill 429, 430, 431, and 435. They're all election integrity bills. They're they're solid bills, and and she's, like I say, she's in it for the right reasons. She's in it to protect the citizens. All right, we've got to get a break in. Let's do that. So uh, we'll be back in a moment. Dave Ellswick show coming up, uh, bottom of the hour. Local news is going to be with us. And uh, we will be talking about what else is going on at the Senate and on the House side in our Marble Palace right downtown Little Rock. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. 